Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fable Fellows, fairy tales told unfairly. I'm Riley. And I'm Carter. How you doing today, Carter? I am doing really well today, Riley. The sun is shining through the apocalyptic forest fire smoke of the greater, beautiful Pacific Northwest. The issue we have to deal with at least every other year now, unfortunately. Can I can I sort of try to can I try to paint a picture of a um, interestingly poignant moment that happened to me yesterday that I'm still kind of like trying to decipher what it means? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Carter Allen's existential crisis yesterday. <laughs> so I was whale watching. Jesse and I went whale watching, and um, we found a pod <coughs> of well, the boat. We didn't find them. The boat found a pod of orcas, and there were some baby orcas. And they were, like, playing around. Turns out, like, they were kind of, like, eating something. So they're, like, I don't know, like, ripping apart a sea lion under the water or something. Oh, delightful. But it was, like, everything was in sapia tone as we watched these, like, whales just kind of playing. And everyone on the boat is, like, ooing and aahing. Oh, it's like and you chose the indie filter while playing the quarry. Exactly. Like, it's really, it's it's legitimately lovely. Like, it's really nice. And, um, and then Jesse points out that we're, like, covered in ash. That's falling from the sky from oh, the forest fires dear. out on the out among the San Juan Islands, and um, just, it just it, it felt very strange and like a a sort of sign of the times that we live in. That I was like you know having a great delightful day amid a cascade of of ash from the yearly fires that are destroying uh, hundreds of thousands of acres of ecosystem. Whilst also trying to enjoy a pod of orca whales that are actually uh, recovering and thriving in the Salish Sea ecosystem. It was a weird little cross-section of moments that all happened at the same time. Well, I don't know what it... I don't know what to feel about it, necessarily. Other than it was just strange. I think I would choose to feel glad that the orca pods are recovering. That mm-hmm. that's how I'm going to interpret the situation. Yeah, and glad because probably a lot of the squirrels up there are jerks. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Take that, squirrels. Yeah, you think you're cool, but you're not. So I was also predicting in my head that something was. I actually I want to make a huge prediction about. You said that the hacking that DJ was about to do... Oh, boy. Whether, whether or not it was hacking or not, I have a theory, and I think it's this. Okay. I think this is something that you would do. My guess is, in a bid to attract some zombies, DJ makes it so that the five, uh, the five big trucks start blaring some hit song from, like, the 2010s. As loud as they can <laughs> to bring all the zombies to and break up the deal and cause a havoc. Okay, two things. One, if that were the case, I think it definitely would have been California Girls. I remember listening to it a lot <laughs> when I was writing this. And that is exactly t- the type of song I was picturing. <laughs> and number two, give me some credit. I would know <laughs> that that's not how hacking works. Now, to be fair, what's about to happen probably isn't how hacking works either. (laughs) 
Bring us in. Paint us a picture. Okay. As DJ worked, the conversation outside continued. Before our trade is complete, I feel it my duty to try to reason with you one last time, the panda man continued, clasping his gloved hands together. Truthfully, even your funding has not convinced me. If you had not been so insistent, I would not be here right now. You talk as though you think I can't handle it, Skull said with an angry frown. He's a very angry person. That's how I wrote him. He's very... He's got... His frowns are even angry. Yeah. The steel panda head nodded slightly. That is exactly the case. In fact, I know you cannot handle it. Skulls laughed nastily. Don't talk to me as though you know more about it than we do, he chastised the panda man. I played this city like an iPod shuffle before the invasion hit. I remember being very proud of that line back in the days of the iPod shuffle. I, I'm more I'm more into he chastised the panda man. <laughs> I think that is really strong. I had an army of the roughest gangsters around, and they were ripped to shreds before the end of the month. But as soon as I teach these freaks who's boss, I'll have an unstoppable, unmovable force that will bring me right back into power. He leaned forward until his sneer was directly facing the black and white visage. And as soon as I'm there, I'll be taking back my money. So what? I don't know why I thought it would be smart for the character to immediately threaten the dude that he's making an already very tenuous business proposal with. What was I, mean, I thinking? There's people, they're armed, there's zombies, there's, a, there's you and DJ and the other guy. This is a lot. There's a lot, to, a lot of balls in the air right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm on tender hooks waiting for them to come tumbling down. The panda man sighed. Very well, Mr. Skulls. Far be it from me to question what you do with my wares. DJ suddenly whispered to Riley, Okay, you and Kyle, get out there. Are you crazy? I got it covered, just go. Riley then, hesitating only for a moment, grabbed his sword off the ground and threw open the Hummer door, Kyle following close behind, stepping out onto the killing floor. So it looks like we're going to have to wait oh. one more episode to find out how exactly oh. DJ hacked the system to save the day. California girls, they're I can't wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> I love the panda man and his metal mask that you've pointed out two pages in a row is made of some sort of uh, alloy. Yes, some sort of alloy. What a mysterious Maybe. panda. <laughs> also, probably a pretty heavy outfit. Yeah, probably. I would not want a mask made of metal. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Who knows if even he wanted a mask made of metal. Maybe he didn't oh, have a choice. That's a good point. Yeah, I still think he's that mysterious dude who disappeared from the beginning of the story. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that was just a dumb line that I wrote in. <laughs> My tale for you today read, um, I'm going Dead in, Redemption. Having not pre-read this, uh, is called The Elves and the Shoemaker. Ooh. This is a quick little two-pager by our friends, the Brothers Grimes. Thanks, Grimes. Goes, Thanks, Grimes. Goes like this. There was once a shoemaker who, through no fault of his own, became so poor that at last he had nothing left but just enough leather to make one pair of shoes. 
I'm glad they acknowledge that it's not his fault. Yeah. Sometimes things just go wrong, and we don't live in a society with a lot of safety nets. <laughs> and yeah, and all he's got is his leather. He's left with his leather. He's got. How could it be with no fault of his own? Is there just a better shoemaker next door, like moved in? I don't know. Maybe like he the, fell on hard times. Fell on hard times. You ran out of leather. Like maybe a witch, two men, and a cop broke into his house <laughs> through the window, and he had to run. <laughs> he cut out the shoes at night so as to set to work upon them the next morning. And as he had a good conscience, he laid himself quietly down in his bed, committed himself to heaven, and fell asleep. <laughs> okay. In the morning, after God, he I hope I don't wake prayers, up. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, as a good conscience, you know, if he was that bad conscience, then he would have laid himself to dead, laid himself dead, laid himself to dead, laid himself to yeah, he just died, laid himself to dead, <laughs> coming to theaters this October. <laughs> In the morning, after he had said his prayers and was going to get to work, he found the pair of shoes made and finished and standing on his table. (gasps) Oh, this is the brownies. Oh, snap. Is this that? Well, let's keep going and we'll find out. It's a a story about little elves that make shoes. Oh, that makes makes sense then. It's the elves and the shoemaker. Yeah. This is one of the stories that my mom read to me all the time. Oh, (laughs) Hey. We had it pretty far without one there. (laughs) Darn it. Um, He was very much astonished, and he could not tell what to think. And he took the shoes in his hand to examine them more nearly. And they were so well made that every stitch was in its right place, just as if they had come from the hand of a master workman. Soon after, a purchaser entered. Old-timey for customer. Yeah, that's an interesting... That's an interesting way to describe it. A purchaser. What I like about purchasers is a very active uh, adjective. Customer is like, will they buy something? A purchaser is like, that guy's going to get something. He's purchasing. <laughs> he's, he's here to purchase. He's going to spend money or else. Yes. I have to just, I, I just have to make, it's, it's only a question of how much will he spend, not will he spend it. It's like if you walk into a uh, a shop nowadays and someone says, "Hi, welcome to my store. What are you going to buy today?" You know mm-hmm. you're a purchaser in that moment, and there's nothing you can do about it. I bet you people are trained to act that way in certain stores. Like, mm-hmm. what are you purchasing today? Yeah. Not like can, don't ask never ask can I help you find anything, but what can I help you find? Yeah. And if you say you're just window shopping, like a gate drops down in front of the door. <laughs> and then the man in a stripy shirt and suspenders, he tugs on his suspenders, and he says, Well, we sell windows too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then he twirls his cane and he pulls a rope and a bunch of windows drop from the ceiling. <laughs> is is this one of <laughs> is this one of TG Warp's original villains? <laughs> the, the, the window shopper. The, the window shopper. That would be good. I will write I'm after we're out of stories and we start writing our own for the show, <laughs> that'll be what I begin with. Yeah. Um, oh, soon after, dude. Now that's an idea. After after we both run out of our stuff to share, we both continue the adventures of respectively the Z Hunter and TG Warp. Yeah, which will be interesting after I read you the story where TG Warp dies. Oh no. <laughs> 
But that's but then, that's your <laughs> self insert, Carter. What happened? I know. I was getting. I was really dramatic. <laughs> I wrote a very dramatic story. About how I did. So soon after, a purchaser entered, and as the shoes fitted him very well, he gave more than the usual price for them. Now this would never happen. No, this is a fantasy. That's a story. Wow, these Nikes fit me great. I'll pay you an extra hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's like a dude's I, gone his entire life thinking he's a size 11, but he's actually a size 11 and a half, and the first time he tries an 11 and a half, he ups the price. He's so overjoyed. <laughs> you fool. So, so, so he paid the, more than the usual price for them so that the shoemaker had enough money to buy leather for two more pairs of shoes. Okay, so here's the shoemaker's problem. Is he's been sell- selling his shoes at cost of labor and materials. That is absolutely 100% his fault because if he can't afford materials to double the amount of shoes he can create from his products after a single sale, then he's clearly not doing this business thing right. Not everyone has the proper business acumen. Well, yeah, that's true. Through no fault of their own. But also, not, not many a- people have elves living in their home, so, you know, your mileage may vary. I don't know how this is going to turn out, by the way, but I just want to say... I'm I'm upset with these elves for waiting until the shoemaker. This <laughs> yeah, it's fairly mean. Why are you twiddling your thumbs all this time, elves? <laughs> so he's got enough to make two more pairs of shoes. He cut out the leather at night and intended to set to work the next morning with fresh spirit. But that was not to be, for when he got up, they were already finished, and a customer was and a customer even was not lacking, who gave him so much money that he was able to buy leather enough for four new pairs. Who? What's going on in this town? A bunch of <laughs> bougie weirdos. A bunch of bougie, very generous weirdos who, as of this moment, have so far been spitting on this shoemaker. <laughs> at yeah, it's not gen- <laughs> He didn't set up shop in a new town. These are the same people that he's needed business from all this time, and now suddenly... Oh, you know what? Maybe he made such absolute dog trash shoes for all these years, and now that they're actually putting on good shoes, they're like, oh god, I have to encourage this. Whatever he's doing differently, I need to make sure he keeps doing it, because I can't put on another pair of shoes that disintegrate after I take five (laughs) steps outside the shop. I would argue then that that is fault of his own. Yeah. He's a bad, bad shoemaker. <laughs> yeah. Then really he brought this on himself. You know what I think it is? Because we have to, we have to cancel out, we have to X out that idea because we know it was no fault of his own. Yeah. You know what I think's going on the here? The author wouldn't lie to us. You know what this stinks of? What? Gentrification. <gasps> no. This neighborhood is getting, uh, is getting injected with wealth. By the upper class who are pricing out the the lower class people, it's attracting it's attracting yuppies and elves alike who are coming <laughs> into the neighborhood. And it just so happened to be on the very final night that this shoemaker would have been in business that the elves show up. Really makes you think. There's nothing. There's no other explanation. <laughs> yeah, there's no other explanation. <laughs> so he has a lot of money now. Well, he's got. I, sh- I say a lot. He doesn't he have a lot of money to make four <laughs> pairs of shoes. Yes. He doesn't even have a lot of money. He just has four shoes. <laughs> Early next morning, he found the four pairs also finished. I knew and it. so it always happened. Whatever he cut out in the evening was worked up by the morning so that he was soon in the way of making a good living and in the end became very well to do. One night, not long after Christmas. Nope. Sorry. 
One night, not long before Christmas, when the shoemaker had finished cutting out and before he went to bed, he said to his wife, now I don't know about you, but I was definitely picturing him living alone up until this <laughs> I don't know, when you start out a story saying that this dude is so sad that his <laughs> business is about to go belly up, and then you don't specify, you're going to fill in the blanks. I cannot believe that this person has not been acknowledged in this story, that he has a wife this entire time. Really? After all the books we've read, after all the stories I mean, we've read does. in this book so far? Isn't it just typical? A wife is so not says, a wife is a, a wife is not a wife in these stories. A wife is a plot device. <laughs> a wife is a person who suddenly exists when the shoemaker needs to talk to somebody about this insane thing that's been happening every yeah. night. It's either a wife or a widow. Well, this is why it's so surprising though because I think that the first thing I would do in this story would be so then the shoes were made the next morning. The shoemaker asked his wife, "Hey, did you make those?" The wife said, "Nah." And the shoemaker said, "That's weird." <laughs> and then, then, then back to the story because you know, she it doesn't anyway also i'd like to know how long this process was going on before he decided hey you know what maybe i should look into why these shoes are just making themselves every night ah uh, maybe this will be the lesson maybe this will be a lesson of don't you look know a gift don't horse question your good fortune yeah don't look those gift horses in the mouth they might play their instruments and come screaming through a window <laughs> How would it be if we were to sit up tonight and see who it is that does us this service? Decided that this poor shoemaker is... <laughs> I got a thick voice. His wife agreed and set a light to burn. Then they both hid in a corner of the room, up in the cockloft, behind some coats that were hanging up. And then they began to watch. As soon as it was midnight, they saw come in two neatly formed naked little men, who seated themselves before the shoemaker's table and took up the work that was already prepared, and began to stitch, to pierce, and to hammer so cleverly and quickly with their little fingers that the shoemaker's eyes could scarcely follow. So full of wonder was he. And they never left off until everything was finished and was standing ready on the table, and then they jumped up and ran off. All right, well, that explains all that. Yeah, if this is the version that my mom used to read to me as a kid, then his service to them is he's going to make them little clothes so they're not running around bare. Oh. All right. Well, let's see. The next morning, the shoemaker's wife said to her husband, Those little men have made us rich, and we ought to show ourselves grateful. With all their running about and having nothing to cover them, they must be very cold. There it is. I'll tell you... There you go. I'll tell you what. I will make little shirts, coats, waistcoats, and breeches for them, and knit each of them a pair of stockings, and you shall make each of them a pair of shoes. Now, if the wife can do all this, is it not... <laughs> is it not totally implausible <laughs> that she's been the one up at night? <laughs> that is very true. That's very true. <laughs> Why didn't he ask his wife? He, this guy. I'm the shoemaker. I make the shoes. Yeah. She knows not to make the shoes. Yeah, she knows. Not after last time. I'm the shoemaker. I, I'm the one who shoes. I'm the one who cobbles. Me. Me. <laughs> the husband consented willingly, and at night when everything was finished, they laid the gifts together on the table. Instead of the cutout work and play... Oh, uh, uh, they laid the gifts on the table instead of the cutout work and placed themselves so that they could observe how the little men would behave. When midnight came, 
They rushed in ready to set to work, but when they found, instead of the pieces of prepared leather, the neat little garments put ready for them, they stood a moment in surprise, and then they testified the greatest delight. With the greatest swiftness, they took up the pretty garments and slipped them on, singing, What's person dandy boys are we no longer cobblers will we be? And they hopped and danced about, jumping over the chairs and tables. <laughs> I got none of that, out. but I am, as always, <laughs> delighted by your voice work. You'll hear it in the, uh, you hear it in the final cut. Okay. <laughs> they hopped and danced about. It was, uh, by the way, they said, what spruce and dandy boys are we? No longer cobblers will we be. Aw. This is, yeah, uh-oh. They hopped and danced about, jumping over the chairs and tables, and at last they danced out at the door. From that time, they were never seen again. But it always went well with the shoemaker as long as he lived. And whatever he took in hand prospered. The end. Oh, that's nice. That is nice, but also sort of odd. Because, like, had he not done any of that, he could have... This is not necessarily a message about, like, you know, reward the the people who are doing good things for you. Because he could have just not done that and never worried about it. Well, yeah, I think that's the point, that he did something nice for them. And then I guess they're operating off of, like, Harry Potter house elf logic, because as soon as they have clothes, they don't have to do it anymore. (laughs) But, yeah, it just seems like the whole point is that one good thing deserves another, and that it's important to show recognition. Right. And then, but after that recognition, it's like, I kind of expected, I kind of expected a um, monkey paw situation where, like, they did a good thing... And it was, like, punished because now they don't want, they no longer have the good cobblers. Well, would that really be the best way to, like, wrap up a story that's about showing recognition by having there be, like, a consequence for that? I think that would kind of get in the way of what this story is trying to share. Yeah, I guess I think... I, my, my approach to this story was, like, there was no... Like, the cobblers would have kept on cobbling with no real discomfort or presumption of like n- like any need for compensation it is a house elf it is definitely a very house elf thing but it just makes me wonder like yeah why not just why not just keep things the way they are yeah why not just keep exploiting these little dudes for free labor says carter allen ah uh, the so voice is this of the, the people thing? is it that okay now that you say that here's my here's my new read is it that once you find out the sort of the truth of the matter, it becomes your responsibility when it wasn't before, when you remained ignorant, to oh, take action? Interesting. For example, are you not an innocent person, you know, if you are somebody who's like getting clothing because, you know, you're just like, ah, oh, this clothing's on sale. I need it. It fits me. It's warm. Then you find out later that, you know, the clothing is made in sweatshops through bad labor practices and all of these things. And now, all of a sudden, does your responsibility become in that moment, but not before, to take action and to do something? Yeah. It could loop Uh back around. Because that's something that I've often worked with my students with, with uh, the story Marigolds by Eugenia Collier, where the main idea is one cannot have both empathy and innocence. The moment that we first have empathy is oftentimes by doing something and realizing the harm it has caused to someone else. And at that moment, we gain the power of empathy, but we lose 
the childlike innocence where we don't really need to worry about the world. And after that, that is when we need to be making decisions that align with that. Decisions that show that we care about the world around us because to do so otherwise is just not something we're able to do anymore. So the second that they learn that these little dudes are providing for them, they know that this is something that they have to give back. They have to make clothes for them. Maybe they weren't really thinking about, like, would they disappear afterwards, but they did realize this would be a good thing to do for ones who have done a good thing for me in return. Right. So when you perceive injustice, you you do not need to feel responsible for any for any previous actions that you took, but you must now do something to write those write yourself in the face of the new knowledge that you have right ignorance is permissible but once that ignorance is broken then the buck stops here Mm-hmm. truly the brothers Grimm here telling us a story that we could all take to heart yeah. in this 2022 i sure year. i sure feel like i've learned something <laughs> haven't we all yeah and well, if, a good fun tale wrapped up with a, with the bow of, I don't know, with, <laughs> preachy life advice. If you feel like you learned something from today's episode, <laughs> give us a review on Spotify, Google Play, or Apple. That's right. And if you haven't done that, and, and also, tell, tell somebody else to listen to this podcast. Say, wow, I learned something today. And they'll say, what did you learn? And you'll say, I won't tell you. You have to find out for yourself. You have to to be a purchaser of the Fable Fellas and the space that they take up in your mind. (laughs) Spend the 26 minutes it takes to truly dive deep into the lessons of The Elves and the Shoemaker by Billy and Jacob. The Elves of The Elves and Joel Schumacher. That definitely is the deepest that we have gone into any story's actual meaning. Well, we were, I think that the, the key ingredients there were to read two different things in the story, be confronted with each other's opinions, and then really hone in on the treasure that was, uh, that, that, that lied amid the disagree- the argument. Yeah. Also, the fact that I knew the story from, like, my childhood probably meant I've had time to ruminate on it. That's probably, yeah, yeah, that's probably really it. You're like, oh, yeah, I know what this is. I know the tale. I'm in. Do they really just, like, up and leave in the movie? Uh, well, essentially, yeah, because they see that these little dudes are just walking around in the nude, and they're like, well, that's not good they've got to make sure that they're comfy and they sure have done a lot for me so he makes them little clothes they have a whole session where they're trying it on they're happy about it and then they realize wait a minute if someone made this for us then someone must have seen us and they look all around they're like let's let's get out we got to get out of here and then they're never seen again but the person still has a lot of success after that day i really um i really enjoy the moment of of dread that comes in that moment of the story when they're going like, uh-oh, surely, yeah, somebody knows we're here. <laughs> Having not realized that before, that for that is their own veil lifting off their eyes. Yeah. And I think that was missing in this part of the story, or in this version of the story. Just it was like very that. much a sort of, hey, there is a mundane world, and there is a more fantastical world, and we can't let that boundary blur. We just wanted to 
help out this cobbler who was down on his luck through no real fault of his own, mind you. Yeah, mind you. <laughs> he didn't do bad, bad job. We just do a better job. <laughs> a job so good that customers literally just hand him all the cash in their wallets <laughs> whenever they <laughs> see a pair of shoes that fits him so nice. It's a good story. But, yeah. What I want to know is... The second day, he's got two pairs of shoes. No, the first day? Anyway, he's got his first pair of shoes, and the purchaser comes in. And is that the first? Did the elves know the shoe size of the first person who was going to walk in the door? Or if the leather's already cut, is a shoe size predetermined? Do the elves not have a choice in that matter? Do do the elves not just enjoy being naked? Why not? They're elves. If I had seen a tiny little naked elf, I'd probably assume, yeah, they probably want to be that way. They're elves. Can't they find clothing? They can I, make shoes. I guess some questions are just better left unanswered. Truly. Well, we've already did all the we already did all the admin stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> a, a one and a two and a three. Keep, Keep it, it viddy. viddy, everybody. <laughs>